Thank you, Bong. This Friday, the world witnessed one of the most barbaric attacks on Paris. A beautiful city, but also a beloved city. A city that people call the city of love because so many of us have so many fond memories in Paris. But the attack that happened on Friday seemed to destroy a part of that city. That part of comfort and joy that we associate with Paris has, some of it at least, has been transformed into pain, in, into danger. And how is it that so few people can so quickly transform the reality for so many people into a horrific one? Now, I, I just like to know by a show of hands, how many of you were like me in that uh, after the attacks, you, you felt a little less safe, or at least it considered that you might be a little less safe? A lot. I went to the football game here in San Marino, and man, they're a good football team. If, if, you, if, you need, if you need a break from all of the tough things of the world, go to a San Marino high school football and, and root for San Marino because then you'll be happy because um, they always win. But I, I, it occurred to me for a moment that maybe that wasn't the safest place to go. It just crossed my mind. Maybe I shouldn't go to a public space like that. And... We have to ask ourselves, how are we going to move forward from this event that has happened in the lives of all of us, in a way? What's the path forward to peace? What does God say to us through Scripture today? Now, as we look at the Scripture, I want to point out that all of the Scriptures that we preach are based on the Revised Common Lectionary, which it was revised in 1980, okay? So the scripture that we are preaching from today was chosen in 1980, right? And I want you to just be amazed, and that's true for all the scriptures we've preached, amazed at the scripture and how it fits and speaks to exactly the cares and concerns and worries and struggles that we're facing today. God has set this one up in a beautiful way. Look at the scripture, and it's Mark chapter 13, verse 1 through 8. And it's up here on the screen if you don't want to read it from your program today. As Jesus came out of the temple, one of his disciples said to him, Look, teacher, what large stones and what large buildings. Then Jesus asked him, Do you see these great buildings? Essentially he's saying, he knows that he's seeing them, they're staring at them. Not one stone will be left here upon another, and all will be thrown down. When Jesus was sitting on the Mount of Olives, opposite the temple, Peter, James, John, and Andrew asked him privately this question. Tell us, when will this be, and what will be the sign that all these things are about to be accomplished? <laughs> Then Jesus began to say to them, Beware that no one leads you astray. Many will come in my name and say, I am he, and they will lead 
many astray. When you hear of wars and rumors of wars, do not be alarmed. This must take place, but the end is still to come. For nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be earthquakes in various places. There will be famines. But this is just the beginning of the birth pangs. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. I remember when I was 18 years old, my brother and my, my older brother and I did a college tour. Did anyone ever do a college tour with a sibling? Or Okay, you should usually do them with parents, I think. But we decided to drive all the way from Salt Lake City, which was my hometown at the time, to New York City. And when we arrived in New York, somewhat country bumpkins from Utah, we were a little bit afraid. And so we parked as fast as we could in whatever parking space. I think it was $20 an hour or $30 an hour, the parking. And so they, we thought, all right, we've got one hour in New York City. <laughs> and so we walked out. And I remember this sense of being overwhelmed by the size of the buildings and my heart leaping out of my chest. And I remember putting my hand in my pocket because I was, a, I was afraid someone was going to just steal my wallet <laughs> within that hour. I was terrified, and I was also awe, in awe of the grandeur of it all. It was just a little more than I could take in, and we didn't even stay the whole hour. We stayed 40 minutes. We said, let's get out of here. Well, I, I, it, it was that kind of feeling that the disciples had when they went to Jerusalem with Jesus. Though Jesus had been there before, some of these disciples apparently had not seen this. And they were kind of country bumpkins. They were a little bit overwhelmed by the size of the temple and by the size of the structures. They'd never seen anything like this in their entire life. But then Jesus says to them, you know, it's not going to last. Don't be too impressed by the size of the structures and the buildings. It's not eternal. When Jesus told his disciples that the temple was not going to be around very much longer, their jaws must have dropped. Because the temple was the center, it was the national identity. It's, it's, a, it's equivalent to uh, the Vatican and the White House and Congress and saying all, if all of those were just one building for us and someone was to say, that's going to fall down in not very long you'd be terrified. You'd say, well, what is going to be our form of government? What is going to be our identity? What is going to be our place in the world? How are we going to survive? This is the experience that the disciples had when Jesus told them that this temple was going to be destroyed and turned into rubble. Now, don't get me wrong. Jesus loved the temple. If you look back in Scripture, you'll remember that Jesus was at the temple when he was a little boy. He was teaching the people in the temple. So just like your own church, wherever your home church was, Jesus would have had that kind of sense of intimacy with the temple as well. He would have had that personal relationship with the space. He was a kid at the temple. He played at the temple. I don't know if that was allowed, but the equivalent of that. But he had that longevity with the temple, and yet he was willing to tell the truth. 
And he was willing to break the news to the disciples. It was important for Jesus to, to tell the disciples about the future. He wanted them to know what was going to come in the future, that the temple would be gone. But then the conversation that Jesus starts with the disciple in the temple, it then transitions to the Mount of Olives. Now, I think this is pretty interesting. The Mount of Olives, and who's, who's planning on going to the Holy Land with our church in the spring? Is anyone here going to the Holy Land trip? Who's thinking about it now because I just brought it up? Anybody just, just thought, hey, that sounds fun. There's a Holy Land trip that Reverend O'Grady is leading, and there's a bunch of people, I, I saw them at the football game, and they told me they're going to, going to the Holy Land. Now, Jesus transitions from the Temple Mount to the Mount of Olives, two mountains opposite each other, 20 minutes walking distance. And the Temple Mount is uh, 500 feet lower than the Mount of Olives. So when you get on the Mount of Olives, you're looking down over the temple. It's smaller. It's, in, it's put in perspective, essentially. There's this little valley that you walk down the Temple Mount, you can imagine, then you walk through this little valley, and then you climb up on the Mount of Olives, and you get this perspective. And I love that Jesus brings his disciples to the Mount of Olives because he's giving them perspective on the situation. Those things that they thought were so big and so overwhelming and that, that, were, that were making them stop in their tracks and taking their breath away, suddenly Jesus is saying, let me put that in perspective for you. Let me help you see how the things that are so big in your life are actually pretty small. And let me see, help you see that the things that you think are secure in life, the places where you have security in life, those are actually not even eternal. Not only are they not eternal, they're not going to last that long. So where are we left if Jesus is telling his disciples that their very sense of security cannot be established in anything of this world, not governments, not buildings, nothing? Well, actually, you might think that Jesus is being quite pessimistic when he tells them about this. You might think that he's kind of being a dooms doomsayer, but the truth is Jesus is just telling them the truth. 30 years later, after Jesus had this conversation, 30 to 40 years later, the temple was destroyed completely. It was a pile of rubble. Foreign invaders came in and the whole thing was completely destroyed. But actually, Jesus was telling them where to put their security, where to put their faith, where to put their trust. He tells them that in the midst of the chaos, in the midst of their confusions, and in the midst of their fear, they're going to have a tendency also to put their faith not only in governments, not only in buildings, but they're going to have a tendency to put their faith in other people. I mean, it's political season. How many people have we seen already come up and say, I have the solution to you, all of your problems? Is that right? How many people have we seen come up and say, you put your faith and trust in me. I can save you. I can save this country. I can save this situation. Now, it doesn't mean that we shouldn't vote for people or that we shouldn't put people in places of, of, of political power where they can, they can help other people, but it says that we do that knowing that all of our faith and all of our trust and all of our true security should lie in Jesus Christ and Jesus Christ alone. You know, I did end up going to college on the East Coast. 
I went to Trinity College in Hartford, Connecticut. And it's about an hour, I think it's an hour, from Hartford to New York on a Greyhound bus. And so every Friday night, not every, but enough, enough Fridays, I would get on the Greyhound bus with my friends and we would drive into New York and we would have so much fun there. It became one of my favorite places on earth. And I haven't been back in a long time. I can't wait to go. But we would, we would have so much fun that we would, in the middle of the night, uh, you poor people who are trying to sleep in New York would probably hear me and my friends going down the street singing. Can you imagine what song it is? You want to sing along with me? Start spreading the news. Anybody else know it? I'm leaving today. No one? I want to be a part of it. You guys are good singers. There you go. See, Richard, I can do this. No. <laughs> and one night as we were having fun at a restaurant, I stepped out and took a phone call from a dear friend. And as I tend to do when I'm talking on the phone, I just kind of walked and talked. And it was beautiful. It was New York City at night. It has this beautiful feeling to it. It's wonderful. And actually the people in New York are some of the nicest people you'll ever meet in your life. And then my feet walked, led me straight to this chain link fence. I had no idea where I was. And I looked up and I realized that I was standing at this chain link fence that I'd seen on the news. It had these postcards. It was at ground zero. And I was all alone with all the pictures and all the memorials and all the old candles that had been there for a long time. And after I hung up on the phone, I remember standing there in the silence and staring into the darkness and feeling this sense of meaninglessness and pointlessness and feeling the despair and this, I could actually feel the eerie quiet that was in front of me. Jesus does not want us to stay there. Jesus wants to bring us up above it all to 30,000 feet. And he wants us to see that it's, this does not mean that God is not in control. God is in control. Jesus does not want us to be afraid. He says, don't be alarmed. There will be wars and there will be rumors of wars and there will be famines. But don't, don't be afraid. Have your trust in God. And in all of this, there is so much good news because Jesus says that these are birth pangs. That something new is being born in the world. You know, we can oftentimes look at the tragedies that are around us the famine, the horrible famine that's taking place right now in Malawi, and we're doing everything we can to stop it, but it seems like it's just barreling out of control and people are going to starve and die and, and just can't do enough. We try. The Paris tragedy, it's just there. It's just aching in our hearts. The horrific destruction in New York City. All of those things can make you think that the world and God's plan in the world is not coming about. But we can look back to this moment when Jesus is sitting with his disciples at the Temple Mount and we can 
reflect on how Jesus, and by the way, in the Gospel of John, Jesus adds, there's a sentence that Jesus says. He says, this temple will be destroyed and in three days will be raised again. And John tells us that Jesus is referring to his own, his own crucifixion and his own resurrection. You see, the temple was the footstool of God. The temple was the dwelling place of God. If anyone was going to go to worship, it was to go to the temple. That is where you would find your security, your hope, your direction in life. If the temple was gone, where would it be? But what Jesus was saying is that the temple would be destroyed, the dwelling place of God would be destroyed, but it would be resurrected in his own body. The church that no longer would the church or the dwelling place of God be attributed to a geographical location, but the people of God would be spread out all over the earth. See, we can see how God took even the meaningless, pointless destruction of the temple and all of the people's lives who were lost at that moment, and God comes into that space and he turns it into a victory. See, when we, the people of God, see these these points of darkness in human history, we see opportunities to bring about God's victory by loving people and reaching out and extending our hands and our hearts to people and changing the world and changing the narrative. But we can only do it through the power of the Holy Spirit. See, if we try to do it on our own, we will fail and we will fail and we will fail because the only one who can accomplish this is God. But he can do it in and through us. Anytime that we feel despair, we can take this perspective perspective that Jesus gives to his disciples. We can go up onto the Mount of Olives. I encourage you to do it yourself. This Thursday, we are going to be going onto the Mount of Olives through our Thrive experience. That's what we are creating. We said we want one time a month where the whole entire church can come, all the neighbors can come, all the Christian community can come, and they can come to the Mount of Olives together, and we can, for at least 30 minutes, bring your family, your kids can can hang through 30-minute time of prayer and worship and music. This Thursday, Reverend O'Grady will give a five-minute, it's a five-minute devotion. And we will make it a time of prayer for this pain that is existing in the world. But it's not where we end. That's not where the conversation ends. It's the beginning. It's the perspective that Jesus gives us. It's a Mount of Olives moment that is so important. So whether you can do it there or whether you just need to find your own time and your own space to get up on the mountain, to see these things in the greater narrative, in, in an eternal timeline, that is where Jesus can speak the most powerful words into your life. Let us pray. Dear God, thank you for speaking to us in our time of deepest need and greatest pain. Thank you for being the God who is bigger than the pain and the violence of this world. Thank you for being the God that can meet people in the midst of their despair in Paris. And thank you that we are standing with these people and praying with them and moving with them. And Lord, we pray that you would guide our hands, our hearts, so that we can, we can see how to minister to them. And so God, we pray that you would draw us into a life of suffering 
for you so that others can be lifted up and that they can experience joy. We are so thankful for all that you've given us in this good news. Let us not keep it to ourselves, but let's share it with the world. Lord, open our eyes. Help us to see. Amen. Thank you.